to another episode of Sexy Marriage Radio. This is Dr. Corey Allen alongside my wife, Pam. Hello. Glad to have everybody back spending some time with us again. Uh, No matter where you are, whatever you do, every time you take some time out of your day to spend it with us, I just want to say thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because it is great when we have a chance to speak into whatever it is that's going on in your marriage and in your life to try to help make it better. And one of the things we want to ask you from you is uh, all these years, this has been listener driven radio where emails that come in to feedback at sexymarriageradio.com really do help sh- uh, shape the tone and the message and the topics of what we dis- what we talk about. But lately, uh, Pam and I have been on a, a run here of uh, just doing some potpourris of multi-topic shows, trying to get some of the things that are covered that that have been sitting in the inbox for a while with some really good questions. But we also want to hear from you with your questions. And so we've created a, a call line at 214-702-9565, where we want uh, to ask you, if you've got a question that you want answered on the show, call us. Leave us a voicemail. Keep it under three minutes, and we will use it on the air to help. Uh, it, it we'll just answer the question. And yeah. so that way we get direct, direct input from you. Yeah, and that you can give a little bit more detail on a three-minute message than you maybe can um, in some of the info that people want to type out. Some people yep. are okay typing out a ton of stuff. Others right. just don't want to do that. Yeah, if you don't want to call, feel free to send an email, but we do want to ask you to call, and that'll help uh, with, with the future. We're hoping just to have this a lot more interaction from our audience because the audience continues to grow, for which I have to say thank you. Uh, but I also want to have it to where everything that we cover and the topics that we choose to talk about, we want it to be from you. That really does help. So on that note, let's go to the first email. Go to it. So this came in um, that there's been, so this is obviously from a listener that's been around for a while that's heard both Gina and I, and then Shannon and I, and now my wife Pam's joining me while Shannon's taking a sabbatical that we talk about how great married sex is and how it's more than just plugging into a receptacle, but we've talked about how great married sex is and that there's actually nothing better. Well, having grown up in a sexually silent home, and the only example of relationships and sex is what Hollywood tells me, which, you know, is not exactly accurate of reality. So what is it that makes married sex so great? How is it great? Why is it great? How does an intellectual and emotional connection make the physical connection better? And then another question that comes along with, with, with that is, how does sharing your emotions improve her orgasm? Which we'll talk on that in just a little bit. But I think there's a lot here. Oh, these are a ton of great questions. It's just absolutely deep, <laughs> profound questions here. Yes. But it's one of those, because we've, talk, we've had over 300 episodes on, this, on the topic of married sex. And so he's asking, what is the link that actually connects the act the act of talking to the act of intercourse. And I'm going to add, I'm going to add, it's not necessarily the act of talking. Obviously, uh, the, the conversations we have can set the tone, but I think one of the things that's in, that's vitally important of what is it that makes married sex so great is because it, it has the opportunity of moving far beyond just a physical act because you live life with, with somebody, you see them, you know them. And so 
the act of just talking is one component of it because we share most of our emotions and our feelings and our thoughts in the, through the verbal avenue of talking. But what makes it even deeper is when the verbal things I say are backed up and solidified by the things that I do. Okay, so from what you're saying, that's not something you would get outside of marriage. Well, it's harder to know if, if you're in the dating scene, which thank the Lord I'm not in anymore. Or, <laughs> I, I look at the world we live in today and I'm like, I do not want to go back to the dating world. <laughs> 24 and a half years with my wife, Pam. I'm glad we've got, I'm glad, I'm glad I'm, we're off the market. Um, but if you look at the dating world, it's pretty easy to put on a persona to capture somebody's attention, to wear the right clothes, to act. I mean, there's all kinds of dating sites out there that tell you how to pick up women, how to score, all those kinds of things. And it's by a, a confidence and some verbiage that you can learn and master. And, but if you, you, you could learn all of that. But if that relationship lasts any length of time, she's going to see if that's real or not. She will. Right. She She'll will. figure that out. And so... That's it's different. Short term sexual escapades have an, an illusionary aspect to it. Okay, so the definition of good sex here might be, you know, to to have great sex and what he's talking about here. Maybe we need to define that a little more. Okay, so I mean, because there is elements of um, if we're just talking about it on a technique and a physical aspect of it, there's elements of being a very good person in bed by knowing what to do and how long to last and all those different aspects that can that play into sex. Okay. But to go to the deeper levels, you're talking about actually connecting with each other behind the eyeballs. Right. It's brain-to-brain connection. And that doesn't typically happen when you've put on a persona. Because it's not, it's not all of you that's being shown yet. It's just your physical nature. It's just your aspects. It's just your body. Okay. So there is an element of married life that if you're talking about it, since this email came in from a man, from a husband, and he's asking, what is it that makes her so much, her orgasm better by talking more? I think when you add in an element of she can trust you that you're in it for the long haul, that you're solid enough to handle life to be a good lead and set a good tone and be confident and help her feel safe and secure, which is kind of what Eve is wired to desire a little bit more, then that helps her be more vulnerable with you and more relaxed with you, which then gives you access to her deeper parts of her psyche and her emotions and because she can trust you with them better. And if there's a connection there where she feels... Um... Uh, secure and more comfortable. I think there's an an avenue of sexiness, kind of the freak in the bed mm-hmm. that comes out more readily because she she's not risking right. the criticism. She's she's like, you know what? You're into me. I'm into you. We have made this commitment together, mm-hmm. and. I'm I'm confident in that commitment. I'm confident in you. Yeah. And that brings out so much more. It can bring out it so could. much more hotness. Yep. And eroticism yes. and and adventure and energy and passion yeah. 
that maybe has been held back. I'm sure there's some of that there when you're not married, right? I'm sure, sure. there are some. I, but again, I, it's but that's still kind of only at surface level for right. the most part because you're talking about the the. There's still, I mean, if you're talking about a short-term relationship and a dating relationship, there's still a, a, an element of reservedness because you could get hurt. Because what, where's the true commitment? Right. Marriage adds, not only is it just a piece of paper, it's a commitment that there's still, even though it seems like in our society that marriage may have lost its, its flair and it, and it seems to have been kind of discarded some, there's still an element, and even in some research I just came across a couple months ago with the millennial generation, they still value marriage. That Thank God. It's still held in high esteem. That they may be not choosing it, and part of it is because of the commitment that comes with it, and they want the ability, that's what the research kind of fleshed out, is they want the ability to just make their own choices and mm. not feel stuck, but... There's still an element of marriage adds another layer of commitment. And so it has value to it. And so I just see it as marriage is, is so sophisticated and elegant that it allows each of us to grow and to deepen and to energize individually and together that the more I start to become comfortable in my own skin and then in turn the, the state of our relationship, and I keep it in that order— I'm more comfortable and secure in my own self, and then in my marriage, then I have access to this possibility of actually revealing a little bit more of myself, or sharing more of it, because I'm not as concerned. Okay. And I think there is an element, too, that the research continues, you know, I still got to find this, this actual research, but I've come across it twice, that talks about, it's after 18 years of a relationship is when intimacy truly starts to deepen. And so there is, I think there's a lot of truth to that because after, if you think about it, the seven year itch is a real thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you survive that, then let's freeze, let's go positive. When you, when you survive that, when you do, when you survive the, the trials of life and some of our own human stupidity, when I, when I go through that together with my spouse, we just deepened it and we just created a whole nother level of value and trust and energy in our relationship because of what we just went through. And experienced. Right. Those experiences just make it stronger, um, give you those things to look back on and say, man, remember what we yep. went through. Right. And, and remember what we're each capable of and remember how we each, what we've learned from this. And, and when you draw on that and you add that to the bedroom and to your sex life, now all of a sudden you're not talking about just a function of, okay, tab A, slot B, and touch here, do that. It's not just performance. It's true. Let's, let's follow the connection with each other. Let's actually open our eyes and look at each other Yeah. from last week. Let, let's kiss each other, Maybe, you know, and, and it also doesn't have to follow a script that it could be going along with your partner and it seems like it's going fine. And then all of a sudden one of you loses and is distracted. It doesn't have to ruin it. No, it, acknowledge it and help each other work through it. Right. Or, Hey, you know what? Let's back up. Yeah. Or wait, I, you know what? I just totally lost it. And now I can't get that thought out of my head. Can we table this for later? And then you can come back with, yeah, we can do it on the table later. That's fine. (laughs) And then, but it's just that whole, you see it as, okay, I don't have to just get it anytime I got the possibility. You see it as, wait, this is something that's a long game. This is a process. And if we both are better, you know, better with our actions in the midst of it, then 
then we're going to have better, deeper connections. Right. Okay. Well, I think that leads right into the next email, which is some of the same concept, but a a, a little uh, on a different topic slightly. Yeah. It's not just questions. It's, Hey, I'm having issues here. Um, issues feeling valued and cherished. So, um, this listener, he says, my marriage is on the brink of divorce and it has been for several years. I don't want my marriage to end. They've been married for 10 years and he still loves her and longs for once what they once had, uh, for about seven or eight years. He says he's felt unloved and not cherished. And he's realized that she does not have a very high value for him as a husband, a father, or a lover. He's tried to talk to her about how he feels, and she usually just gets angry. Um, He says, I admit that I also don't value her as much as I used to. For years, I've tried to make her feel like a queen, but over time, it's become harder and harder because she's not returning the kindness. I have to hide my feelings and emotions and desires and pretend I'm happy and in order to save my marriage. So I need to be vulnerable with her and share my feelings. He says he even bought your book, The um, Naked Marriage, and she became angry when she found out. <laughs> he said it, he didn't ask her to read it, but he just bought it for himself. Help me find a way to be valued and cherished. Okay. okay. So there's a lot here. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. With this one, because you're, you're talking about a dynamic that's unfolded of one of the first things that jumps out, and this is what you and I were talking about, Pam, when we were kind of prepping for this this episode, was there is a true uh, element of uh, exchange-based uh, reciprocal relationship going on here of... I do it, so therefore I want you to respond in kind. And if I have that as the foundation of my expectation in marriage, I'm going to be sadly disappointed. Yeah, absolutely. Because reciprocal relationships are a myth. <laughs> they just don't happen. Right. On uh, for, for the long haul. There can be components and moments, yes, but they don't last because each person has value in their own things. And that's how they determine themselves and their own worth. I'm I'm hearing this and I'm just going back to a nice guy. Yes, there is an element of that that that, that seems to be at, coming through. Is that really the what we're defining here some of it with hey, I'm just trying to do what I can to not to keep the waters calm, to keep her happy. Yeah, and, I think there is because that's the whole idea of I have to um, I have to act like I'm happy and hide my emotions so in order to save my marriage. So in essence, he's saying, I have to fall on my own sword and do away with my own self to keep something together that I don't even really want in the current value of it. Would he want himself? That's a great question. And this is one of the things we've asked a lot on Sexy Marriage Radio is the idea of what I want to be married to me. And that sometimes can give you great insight into what your next action item can be and what your next step can be. But there is one of those things that I think it it comes down to the premise of this being, how do I feel loved and valued and cherished? So there's, there's two things that come to mind with this, Pam. Okay. One is, um, how do I define those things? 
What is it that truly makes me feel loved? How do I feel cherished? How do I actually feel valued? Because a lot of those are going to be defined and created from my own family of origin. It's how, it's how love was demonstrated to me all the way through growing up. Um, I was raised by a mom that uh, showed her love by buying things. And I don't, she would say, I love you, but I don't remember a lot of love being shown by time. It okay. was by purchases. And as a kid that's selfish and wants things, <laughs> yeah, I'm in. I like, th- I like that. As an adult, hold on. I don't like that as much. And so it, it causes some tension. And so it's seeing this as I got to define it. And that's not necessarily, here's, here's the, the, the caveat or the caution. I define that not so I can be better at explaining it to my spouse so that they in turn can actually start doing it. I define it so that way I at least know more of how I see and view my own life. Because one of the things that might jump out to you in this is I start getting a definition of here's how I feel cherished. And I realize, you know what? I'm not doing the things that I even cherish. I'm not doing the things that would make me feel cherished. You know, if I'm the type that I value um, spending time doing things that I love, am I actually doing that? Okay. You know, that makes sense. So, so am I putting some pressure on the relationship in a good way by defining myself better and how I want things, but also this is the other side of it. Am I also recognizing, are there ways she is showing value or cherishedness that maybe you're not seeing? Because that's how she sees being valued and cherished. Exactly. Because it could be different definitions. You know, this is one of the things I've made a comment before on the show, not with you as my co-host, Pam, but one of the things I would say in the first decade of our marriage or so was, I want you to initiate sex more. And because I wasn't recognizing your initiation is different than I do it. And so... Yeah, it's hard to see sometimes, right? Yeah. We go in with blinders expecting people to do it the same way we do it. Exactly, because I didn't recognize that my wife Pam's initiations were much more subtle than mine. And hers weren't necessarily, I want to have sex right now, like mine were. Hers were, you know what, I'm interested in you, and I like you, and hey, did you see this? And you know, some of those kind of a subtlety, a playful, a teasing, a flirty vibe. what I'm wearing or whatever. So it's, it's a different thing than, and so if I'm only looking at it in the way I would do it, which is human nature and one of the things we fight, then I've got to, I've got to catch myself and start to get, start to get a better definition of how I would do it, but also be a better student of my marriage. And how does she do it? Does it mean that it's there and you're missing it? Cause that could be a possibility. Okay. I still back, I still back up a little bit to the beginning of the email. Um, where he says, I still love her and long for what we once had. And I, I get, I get caught up on the longing for what we once had. Right. Uh, because well, that's not defined here at all. You know, is that what you once had when you were dating? Is that what you. Right. Pre-kids had? or early in the marriage. Or, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what that really means. Right. Trying to recreate a scenario is almost impossible to do. And how can you move past that to say, okay, the past was the past. Here's our new future. Yeah. And, and I think this is one of those things that the, the pressure of this marriage, what I'm hearing is everything is being done in, in a hopes to keep things tolerable 
or keep things, keep waves as as manageable as possible. That in in ba- the basic thing is, um, how do I just make sure my wife is happy? That that's what I'm kind of hearing is happening. Which there's your nice guy trait, which sounds miserable. It, it it's exhausting. <laughs> it's yeah. also what it sounds like. Yeah, but it's looking at this as okay. I've got to face the fact that for a path forward that is truly closer in line with what he is saying he wants means I've got to really, really risk blowing this thing up. That it may not survive. That is going to be the reality of marriage today. And and that is just the reality of every marriage because marriage is choice. And I think we do a disservice if we don't at least acknowledge that and know this is the risk. That I, I'm not saying I'm doing this for that, but it is a risk. It is the reality because every disagreement you have could ultimately end up in divorce. That's just reality. You would like to think that there would be things that change that along the way that you, you're like, you know, why am I so out of shape out of that? And this was just about how you slice tomatoes. I don't understand how we got to this point. But, but it's seeing this as I've got to be willing to see that as the reality of what I'm facing. And then still lean into it, not trying to force her hand, but truly stand up for you. Stand up for your own value, your own cherishedness. Because the last point I can think of, if I want to feel valued or loved or cherished, I have to make sure I'm living a life that is valuable, lovable, and cherishable. Absolutely. Because if I'm not, she actually has good judgment to not give me that. Because that's not something that's worth being around. That's that same phrase of what I want to be married to me. What I want to have sex with me. What I want to be in a relationship with me. What I want to work with me. All of those things apply. And I think it, it helps give us, at least to me, an empowering stance of now I'm starting to take charge of what I'm responsible for. And now I'm doing personal responsibility work. And I'm doing some of my own path of confronting some things. And that's where... In the short term, it's going to be rocky, possibly. It already is, though, is what it sounds like. Yeah, it's absolutely already rocky. So look at what you value, Mm -hmm. and are you living that? Look at what you cherish. Are you living it the way you want to receive it? Yeah. And go from there? And and there's still this other area of, for years, I've tried to make her feel like a queen. Which... You know, I love that. Yes. Uh, his intentions there are totally pure. But I, but he I loves also, his wife. I also hear, tell me how this strikes you, because we didn't talk about this, Pam. Um, there's an element of he's tried to make her feel like a queen, but there's also the component of sometimes the king's got to stand up. <laughs> yeah. And he's got to say, look, no, this is, this is, this is not working. Look, this is not happening the way it's. You know, here's here's some things that are going on. And she could hear that as I can't ever do anything right. And she gets angry and then gives a silent treatment until he usually apologizes to her for his own expressing of his own feelings, which there's a huge dynamic that needs to be addressed of, wait, I still have my feelings and I can have my thoughts. You can do nothing about that. These are mine. So. I understand this is going to upset you, and I understand this is going to be a problem, but this has got to be aired. That's a king's stance. It's not a dictating stance. It's just a king's stance. It's a, I'm standing up in my own life, and I'm going to make my waves that way rather than riding waves trying to not surf. 
<laughs> you know, or, or trying to just survive or, cause that's what we do. And so I think a lot of times you have to see this as I have to live a life that's worth living. And then I choose the people I want in it. Yeah. And he's clearly choosing her. And I can, I, I commend her. that. Yeah. Mm. And so, but, but it's seeing this as, She's been allowed as the wife to dictate all the terms by her reactions and her reactiveness. And it doesn't even sound like it's real volatile, but no, it doesn't. You know, it just sounds like it's the slow creeping thing. Well, and it's the disappointments because as a husband, I understand that as a married man, I understand that I don't like to see my wife hurt because of something I say or do, but I also have to see it as what's really at stake here. It's my well-being versus the marriage well-being. Because if I just let the marriage always dictate that term, well, then I'm going to end up in this kind well, of a boat. Well, is it your well-being versus the marriage well-being? It sounds like his well-being is terrible and the and the marriage's well-being is terrible right now, too. Right. I mean, he's saying it's already on the brink of divorce. Right. So, you know what? Stand up and make those changes and maybe that's what saves it. I think that is what saves it because what you actually are doing is you're saving your own life. And then you start to see if the person that you really want to share it with is willing to be alongside that. That's the dynamic that shifts. And it says, I think they talked about they're they're seeing a counselor. And I would say, keep going. Absolutely. But come at it. um, I mean, the idea of I bought you bought my book and she became angry. Okay, that's just a classic example. If she's reading it as all kinds of different things, your job is to live it with what you see as, as a priority and a value. That's yeah. how you live a cherished and valued life. Yeah. Well, since this this email uh, talked about and and hinted at the nice guys, at least that's the way we read it. Yeah. So here's the, here's the last one we're going to do, which is the idea of breaking the international nice guy. And we've had this email a couple different times lately, on especially since I had Doctor Glover on the show with me a couple weeks back, mm-hmm. where he talked about the nice guy, and he's recognized he is. So here's his question: I have a 12 year old son. And I've started the discussion with him and plan to keep a rolling dialogue as age-appropriate as he grows. My hope is to help guide him into becoming a solid man. I know it's a big topic, but I'd be interested. it's an interesting one to tackle. So how do we help our children grow into solid adults that have healthy relationships? That's a great question because this is a guy that suffered from being a nice guy, and he is working hard at not right. being that. Right, and this is one of those things that I even had. Uh, 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 there's a wife that jumps to mind. She emailed us. And asked that same question of, I confronted my husband, I heard it and said, that's you. And he did not take it well <laughs> and denied it. But then I got an email follow up a couple, a couple days later saying, now we're talking and it's, it's actually really good. You know, and it's because we get defensive when we hear things that hit too close to home. We That's do. Just, <laughs> we hate, it's hard to broach that topic, but, but powerful things can happen if we get the guts to do it. Exactly. So how do we continue to, how do we break the chain is one thing. That it's an individual role. Uh, it's, it's something I went through probably about twelve years ago. Was when I started at, with the, with some real intentionality. This journey, maybe not even that long, ten years ago, of just reading Dr. Glover's book and, and kind of getting all this stuff, kind of helping it gel in my own life. Now I I try to I do the same kind of things with men, with the husband mastermind groups, which will be starting again in January 20, 2018. So if you're interested, send us an email um, and let me know. But it's it's one of those 
that how do you change it? And specifically with this question, how do we help our children grow into solid adults and have healthy relationships? First and foremost, you live as a solid adult in healthy relationships, that that's where it takes a priority, that that's where you dedicate yourself to, uh, you know what, my value is my marriage. That's what Pam and I have tried to demonstrate to our children with date weekends, because we've got some great friends that will adopted kind of grandparents that will take the kids for a weekend, and that's a priority, or it's a, hey, this is not your business conversation, this is a husband and wife conversation. Well, some of them are even um, just when we are having a conversation and the kids run up and try and jump in, you know what? We're in the middle of a conversation and we politely ask the kids to wait. And it's, it's just, Hey, mom and dad are talking here. Mm -hmm. We hold each other in high regard. We have, I'm not going to stop that unless it's someone's coming in bleeding. Right. But that, um, Living it and not just talking it is key number one. Yes. Um, For me, I I took this not just the nice guy thing, but also training the kids, because this is Sexy Marriage Radio, Mm -hmm. training the kids to be solid in their sexuality and just in relationships in general, um, starting early. Yes. I mean, we started really early when the kids were still in diapers, reading books to them, just talking to them about anatomy and what their body does. And as they've grown, continuing to educate them on what their body does and not being embarrassed, at least to talk to us about those things Yes. so that we're filling their sponge and no one else is filling their sponge. Cause I want them to know what a penis is. I want them to know what breasts are and who has them and who has what body parts. And, not to be filled with junk elsewhere. Right. And always keeping the door open for discussion. Because mm-hmm. um, these are regular dialogues, not just one conversation. Yes, this goes on their entire life. Keeping the door open for discussion, asking the kids how things are, do- are doing, and don't back down from a question. Mm-hmm. One of the things I think we learned um, early on was to monitor the look on our face when they ask a question. <laughs> Don't have shock on our face right? As much as if possible. they come in with a yes. question, right? We're the parents. They expect us to have the answer, even though we may not know how in the world to answer. If we look shocked or freak out about it, it it's going to make them think, oh, maybe I shouldn't go to mom and dad with this. True. And I think even in those times where we don't know an answer, we tell them, you know what? I don't know, but let's go find an answer together. Right, exactly. We'll find it. We've got resources. We've got things we trust and people and don't things that have gone through this before. So we'll do this together. We'll walk alongside. Because that's the one thing that jumps out to me, is if I'm trying to break this and, and help model a healthy relationship, one, I live it. The other is I show it and I walk alongside solidly with my kids. I do things with them one-on-one. I do things if, with his question of how with my 12-year-old son. That's a great thing. Masculinity bestows masculinity. Yeah. So go do something of the same gender to where it's the guy's night and it's the girl's night and you're, or the weekend or the camping trip or something that's, you know, with, with me, I think of it, if I'm doing something with Will, I want it to include a fire. 
or something outside or something where we're competing against each other, even if it's just playing Madden on the Xbox, where we're competing against each other. Because that's that idea of he learns some stuff from me and how I go about that. He learns how you compete. Yep. He learns how you respond to winning and losing. Yep. And the same thing happens with a mother and daughter. And then you switch those roles where you take your daughter on a date night, dads. And then on the same night, like for us, uh, Pam would take our son on, on that night and they would go spend some time doing some stuff together. Right. And I teach him, go show up at the door, get her door for her, those kinds of things. And that's the kind of stuff that helps model a healthier relationship. But the biggest thing is they've got to see it. Yeah. They've got to see you live in it because, I mean, I think one of the things we want as parents, as um, we go forward, is we want our kids to adopt our own values, right? Mm -hmm. It's important to us. Well, I've got to be willing to confront the risk that they're not going to, but I got to give them freedom to choose. We do. And, you know, sometimes we all don't live by our own values, right? We we have slip-ups. We do something that maybe if we saw our kid do, we'd be totally embarrassed about. We did but we it. do it. And as we get, as we go through parenting, you know what? Our kids see us do those things. Yes, they do. So we've got to be willing in front of our kids to say, you know what? I messed up there. Take the hit. Take the hit. Take the hit. Acknowledge it. Realize your kids see it. They know it. They know you just messed up. They may not be the ones to bring it up to you today. They're going to bring it up later. Or they're going to do exactly what you did because it's okay because mom and dad did it. At least acknowledge it yes. and own it. And the kids will, the kids learn from you saying, I'm sorry. Humility teaches a lot of solidness. It does. If I can learn and when I demonstrate, you know what? I make mistakes and I'm going to own those things. I'm not going to skirt them, deflect them, avoid them. I'm going to own them. I got egg on my face and that's it's on me. Yep. I'll do better. That's my and I'll prove it by the way I live, not by what I say. Yeah, and let them know you love them. Yes, and that's yeah, that's a great one. Always let them know I love them. Always and that's the same thing I would say with a spouse. Live a life that demonstrates you're into them. Live a life that demonstrates you're engaged in life at home with your spouse, with your kids. Because that's what teaches so much more than anything we ever say. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. If we got if we had something that uh, you want covered better, give us a call. 214-702-9565. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. And we'll see you next time. 